welcome to Generation Ag, a podcast for the future of agriculture. I'm Kayla. And I'm Lavinia. And we're a couple of young Aggies passionate about celebrating our industry and sharing the stories of people who work in it. Jackson and Tom Dargaville are the sons of Flora Hill Butcher, located in Bendigo, Victoria. The butcher began 20 years ago when their father bought it and turned it into the business that it is today. They are so passionate about paddock to plate that they've actually been able to purchase their own farm and start producing meat from their own cattle. Both are now trained butchers and they're helping their father who paved the way for the business to develop and grow it in different and new, exciting and innovative ways. You actually might be familiar with Flora Hill Butcher. They are one of the most nationally and state awarded butchers for their ham, lamb, sausages and more, taking a huge amount of state and national prizes. I highly recommend that if you're in the area that you head to their butcher in Bendigo because they're phenomenal. Guys, Jackson, Tom, welcome to the Generation Ag Podcast. I'm very excited to have you here. Obviously, Tom, you have said you've listened to a few, so you know how this goes. Yes, yep. The first question is always, tell us a little bit about your childhood and growing up in the regions. Yep, beautiful. So my childhood was pretty basic or simple and very loving. Uh, we grew up in the same house, obviously. Parents were together, uh, heaps of sport, heaps of activities around the weekend. And when we got to about 11 or oh, I was 12, uh, we bought the butcher shop. So I was in the butcher shop from then on. But yeah, childhood was... Awesome. Didn't really revolve around agriculture, but now it does. So, yeah. And Jackson, what about yourself? No, much the same. Yeah, we, I mean, we, we thoroughly enjoyed our childhood. Now we're working together. That transition from end of school, I was never really knew what I wanted to do either. So, and never had an agricultural background. I've, I've always said that if I, if I did at some point have an agricultural background, maybe I wouldn't have been a butcher. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what path that would have taken me down. But, yeah. So for both of you, when was that decision? Obviously, your dad bought the butcher shop. What? When did you both decide it was a next step for you both? Like what were those stories for you? Was it similar pathway or different pathway back to the shop? Tell me a little bit more about that. Probably pretty different in ways because yep. I was 12 years old and just wanted to not be at home. Yep. Um, so I was in the butcher shop every night cleaning up or pressing burgers in holidays and all that sort of stuff and went from there and just wanted to be a butcher missed a fair bit of school because I was wanting to be at work so well we both went to the same school at Golden Square and when that school closed I changed schools and went to Girton private school by the way <laughs> yeah don't, yes. don't know that against me <laughs> so like I don't know I had, a, I had a different friendship group they were probably more focused on schoolwork, study going to uni different careers um, all that sort of stuff not so much some of them went down the trades path, but a lot of my friends did go to uni and do all that sort of thing, and that never really interested me. So I didn't. it wasn't a forced decision. It was always like, well, if I'm not going to uni, I need to make money somehow. The passion for the job just it grew slowly as I worked more, I guess. And so did you both undertake apprenticeships, or and what were those conversations in the beginning with your dad? Like, How, how did that all unfold? Yeah, apprenticeships, four years. I had to do year 12 because mum wanted me to pass. So I did a school-based apprenticeship for two years, 11 and 12. So that cut off one year, so I did three years after that. I don't think there was much of a conversation with me. I just sort of rang the trade school teacher and did it myself in a way. Yeah, yeah, and I was the same. Like I said, I I wasn't going to uni. So I just did did my VCE, got me into school. wasn't flash, 
but it was probably the best butchers enter score getting around. Uh, yeah, from there, just went to work. So, yeah, did the four years and yeah, that w- was what it was. And obviously then you guys are sort of in your probably just sort of about to turn 20 and the progression from 20 to where you guys are now, 30, the last 10 years. Tell us a little bit about working in the family business. Tell us about how your roles have evolved and what you've sort of seen and changes in the last 10 years. Yeah, so when we were 20, far out, uh, Jacko was doing that heap of BNS balls on Saturdays, so I was working Saturdays. Yeah, I was like a <laughs> wannabe cowboy for yeah. a long time. Yeah. So that's that's where that, that was our personal lives and then – it was just driven by dad, I guess. I was uh, me and Jacks are pretty pretty different in the way we think and the way we look and everything. So it was um, like you'd probably say that Jackson's passion grew slowly, slowly, and got more passionate as he got over twenty five. And mine was just flat out from the start. And working together is definitely like it's over the top. If you want to find how much you really like your family I think you should work with them so yeah, there's, um, there's some colourful days in, yeah. in those four walls of that butcher shop everyone sometimes is put out as a really pleasant place to work and that sort of stuff but you know like every workplace and all that sort of stuff I mean you'd probably be the same with your family on the farm and that sort of yep. thing there's there's some colourful days but the reward at the end of it is is always good because you know you've done achieved something together yeah, so what are some of those intricacies, I guess, working with your dad, succession planning? When did you two start to step up into a more of a leadership position? Because you're definitely sort of in that a more of a leadership or decision-making role. Has that just evolved, obviously, with age? But when was that decision or conversation with your dad to go, you know what, we're going to take this to the next level and really grow the company to where it is now? Yeah, so it probably went in stages, didn't it? Yeah, so we, absolutely. We, Dad probably got to 58. He's 65 now. Got to 58. We sort of said, right, yeah, it's time to slow down. And I don't think he liked being told what to do. <laughs> Slowing down was like, when what does for? The, yeah. Why? 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 I'm, I'm, like his skills are still good. There's nothing that he, he can't do apart from using a mobile phone. <laughs> so I think the technology aspect of the industry started to create that pushback because like all of our um, food safety stuff which we have to go through all the time I've probably taken a fair bit of that on because you can't just bang it on a computer and Google search something or you know make a, a flow chart or you know do stuff like that online easily where I'd, I'm not the best at it either but I find it a lot easier to do so taking that off his shoulders is like a bit of a relief he doesn't have to stress about it but then all of a sudden he's not doing something so he's got a bit more time to do something else. Yeah, and a big one was the farm. Yep. So once he's got somewhere to go, because a lot of his uncles are butchers as well, so he, they retired and just dwindled away on the couch or didn't have anything else. So mm. with the farm, as much as it's a like money making and profit, they've got to be profits and losses and all that. So it's just a place to go or well, unwind as such, if you like. Go there, fresh air. Uh, but yeah, it's probably been a couple of years. He's starting to really slow down now, like with his work and accepting to go out the farm and, and get out of the shop. Mm. But it's probably taken uh, probably up to seven years, I reckon, yeah. total. It's just been a slow grind just yeah. to prove to him that we can do the job and yeah, and, and go from there. So. And what about you, Tom? Where is sort of your position? I see, feel like we've spent a little bit of time in the shop. You're definitely doing the more back-end business stuff. What What's sort of your role evolved to now? Uh, probably it's probably more of that. So I, I, I work a fair bit out the front, but then also I've got a uh, I do a lot of invoicing and all that stuff that no one really likes to do, and it's it's not awesome fun, but uh, it's good to I enjoy keeping my hands on the numbers and all that sort of stuff, and probably creating new stuff. Like I've, I've, I like to think I'm a little bit creative, 
um, and just try and do come up with new things and especially with the farm it just gives us endless opportunities to come up with new stuff so it's good yeah I think if we've, I've learned anything this morning you two are super forward-thinking innovative people and you've got lots of ideas but you're not just ideas people you're executing it as well so that's really impressive for the listeners can you guys give a little bit of overview on the butcher and what the ethos is to it and I guess a little bit of the background on everything that's for the last 20 years and where you're at at this point yeah, quality. That's how it's been from the start. Dad changed the name, was the Frizzles, when he changed it to Floral Hill Quality Meats. He wanted to be the bloke in town that did the good job because um, at one stage there were 65 butcher shops in Bendigo and now there's about 12 or 13 or 10 or something like that. So, um, And even some of those are, are, are substandard or on the way out sort of thing. So, yeah, the quality. And that, and that resonates through the farm, like you said, our, our livestock out there. Yeah, the quality livestock creates a quality product. And, and that's what it's always going to be, even with, um, you know, it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's small goods or snags or not all about the beef, like even the chicken products we do and value adding and the flavours we can incorporate into stuff. If yeah, Quality ingredients speaks for itself and people like to eat it. They definitely like to eat it. We spent, what, 40 minutes at the shop and it didn't stop while we were there. <laughs> yeah. Like it's insane. Yeah. And that's like mid-morning, which is not probably the peak time you wouldn't think, but nah. you've got people coming in and out. Let's talk a little bit about, we've mentioned the farm, but let's talk a little bit more about the paddock to play ethos and you actually run your own cattle, you have your own livestock and then they end up in your butcher. Can you tell me a little bit more about that process, how it's evolved and the responsibility there? Yeah, so the farm's probably 40 minutes out of Bendigo or from the shop and the way it sort of works is we, or we've got about 80 cows, so that's not going to f- service us every week because we need about 300 and we never will be that big, which is fine with us. We've accepted that. But um, 80 cows, we get them to a live weight of about 400 kilos and then we get them transported to Hardwick's in Conton and then they get killed and come back and come back to us. It's easy for us to sort of say, but we can notice the difference with the cattle we get normally from the abattoirs that we don't know where they've come from or exactly where they've come from to the difference with our cattle. We can notice the colour, the taste, the fat, all that sort of stuff. So it's um, it's a big plus for our business and what we can offer because I, I believe it's a better product, but it's also easy to say that. Um, I'd love for everyone to come and try it. But, yeah, that's that's probably what we're trying to do is just get a quality product. Yeah, it's and it's so unique too. I mean, yep. you guys are technically first-generation farmers along yes. with your dad learning. Yep. What is it like being acquiring a property, learning how to sort of work with livestock, particularly cattle because they're a huge undertaking? Tell me a little bit about this experience. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. if like it's, it's sort of a, a little bit of a dream comes true for me, I guess, because I sort of had a lot of mates in the rural sector and always curious about it. I didn't know, like they were talking about marking calves and I was like, what's that? Or even like drenching yarding them up and drafting and I was like, oh, I'd love to come and see it. Now, as much as I don't like doing it, fencing is the same. Like we're sort of self-taught in a lot of aspects and then we've got, like there's a lot of people around, like you don't, we don't have to go far to ask somebody for help. There's a lot of people around us that want to give us help or give us advice on how to do stuff. It's good to have that. So you can say you can call yourself a cowboy now? Not really. I'm not that good. I, nah, I won't do that until I can roll He's got horse. the snakeskin boots, so that helps. 
It's got the rolls them. <laughs> Not until you can ride a horse. That'll be your next yeah, thing. Yeah, you yeah, have to find another spare paddock. Yeah, good. I know. I'll work on that. Yeah. <laughs> i work on that. I love it. So something that your dad, when we chatted to him, he was really proud of the fact that you guys have elite sausages. But not only that, you are pretty much one of the most awarded butchers in this whole state, which is pretty incredible. Like you've got some trophies. Yeah, there's a few there. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty impressive. So dad sort of started in entering in 2003 yeah. and no one had ever from the country as such had ever entered because mm-hmm. it was at the Melbourne show. Butchers are normally working on the Saturday so they're, they're more inclined to say, oh, I can't be bothered going down there. So yeah. that's where it started with dad and dad just put in two different sizes of snakes, got a third and, it, and was pumped. We didn't really know what was going on that day because we just went down. He took all of us kids down to the show. Yeah, we think we're going to the show. For we a just good had day an and... absolute day out, yeah. and Dad's just focused on this little sausage tent. Yeah, and we didn't really understand that. And now looking back, it's like, well, that was the that was the kickstart of everything. Yeah, so it sort of transferred. Um, awards have transformed too. So, yeah, like two thousand and seven, Dad won with the lamb sausage nationally yeah. for the first time. Uh, he'd been the nationals before that and got seconds and thirds, and just incredible. To see that that's like we went back to the nationals this year for the same snag, so it, it's awesome to see that it holds up from 2007 to, to today, uh, which is super incredible. And, and Dad says he's proud of, or sometimes he said he's proud of us, but it's Everything, yeah, we don't get that very often. Not there, but um, <laughs> the competitions have set up or our business as such because then it created uh, more interest in the country. And now our, so it's in the regions now. So we're in the central region and there's like 70 butcher shops that compete just in our region. So it's super impressive to see how it's, how far it's come and it's getting harder and harder to win. So yeah, it's, it's really good. For listeners, we've got a massive ag listenership, but we've also got people outside of it. As butchers yourself, what what are those things that people should be looking for, cuts or quality of meat and like what is that? differentiation between good meat versus, you know, the stuff that you are getting in a typical shop? Oh, where do you start? I guess, like, it solely depends on on how curious you want to get with cuts of meat. Like, there's – there's from when I started my apprenticeship even to now, you see, um, like, people buying flank steaks and bavettes and um, shin beef and those cuts aren't going straight into – grinding beef and mince and sausages anymore those cuts are being presented into a butcher shop beautifully as a prime cut and people are taking those and, and cooking them for however long they want to and, and flavoring however they want to like oh, i don't know anyone that doesn't season the steak anymore it's not just grab a bit of rump steak and put it straight in the pan now you gotta sit on the counter for 20 minutes season it with some salt and pepper get the heat right in the pan like people cook different to what they do 20 years ago and and i think that helps our job along a lot, a lot because people want to know how to cook stuff it makes the butcher better because the butcher's got to know how to do it as well. And I think you can notice in the showcase too. Yep. With a butcher that takes a lot of care in their case and even little things like their benches are wiped and cleaned, it's usually a good sign. Mm. Um, yeah. And the smell of a butcher shop too. Everyone goes in and goes, oh, the smell of young kids, young girls come in after school and stuff and block their nose. But it doesn't seem to happen with us. It's easy for us because we smell it all the time, but. Yeah. I did notice that. You actually haven't – there's no smell of like a, a meat undertone. Yeah, stale, or It's yeah. very clean and crisp. There yeah. was actually no smell at all. But I, yeah, and everything was light and bright. 
but you could yep. just tell with every piece of meat that was cut, it would just it looked really good. Like yep. it just yeah. looked nice. It's just a, yep. it's aesthetically pleasing. Mm. Yeah. As much as you, that's an odd thing to say about a yeah. piece yeah. of meat. Yeah, Dad but, used to say, oh, I appeal is by appeal. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. It's right. And look, like, we don't treat it as a, as a display or as a cabinet. It's a showcase. Mm. So it's a showcase of the products that we cut. And even when our pr- um, beef comes in from the farm, you know, you want to put that on another level, put, nearly put it on a pedestal so that your customer, when they, when they hear the story and, and talk, want to talk about it and you can show them exactly what it is and the different colours. And sometimes you might, we might have a couple of different bodies come in and they might show different colour signs or maybe some of their fats just a bit different in colour and the customer wants to know that and then there's reasons for that. And you can go through all those if you want to, but yeah. It's yeah, it's pretty impressive what you guys are doing. Also, I'd love, Jackson, you were telling me a little bit in the shop about the fact that you're really trying to utilise the whole carcass now. Can you talk a little yeah. bit more about that? Yeah, so some of our older heifers are getting along a bit, so they'll we want to be able to utilise those in the, in the butcher shop and, and nose-to-tail butchery is oncoming. It's not a massive thing right now. Not everyone wants to eat awful. Like you've said, like Liver King eating that, everyone's grossed out by that sort of stuff. But, I mean, you cook it properly, it's nice to eat. Um, and you want to utilise a lot of stuff like oxtail isn't as popular now, but there's people trying it, and it's a beautiful cut. Like you slow cook that enough and season it properly, it's gorgeous to eat. But in terms of profitability from an animal, there's probably more profitability out of an animal because so many more butchers are doing more with their secondary cuts. So like your chuck steak is so much easier to cook with now because the knowledge knowledge yeah. knowledge of what people can do with it not just oh yeah I'll get a slice of chuck steak and the dog can have that or even like lamb shanks so yeah. for say like you know going to a butcher shop and a lamb shank might be somewhere between five and ten dollars depending on who's selling it and you know, the older generation will always come in and say oh, I can remember when we used to get those the butcher give them to us and give it to the dog you know, you, and you get that every winter when you got a massive, get a massive display of lamb shanks, and they look top shelf, and 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 you'll always have some old bloke come in and go, oh, "I can remember when we get them for the dog, and now you're getting six or seven dollars for them." It's like, well, yes, that's right. That's just how it's evolved. Talk to any farmer, and the lamb shank's the best bit. That's right, hundred that, percent. Yes, yes. It's a slow cooked lamb shank. It's yep. for yep. everything. The yep. dogs are lucky to get the bones. Yeah, so. totally. Yep. Obviously, we were chatting a little bit about COVID and how that sort of changed the landscape, but we definitely have seen a decline in people showing interest in meat across the board. I'd love to know a little bit more about you guys and your ethos on meat in general, but a little bit more about like how the general public is sort of perceiving you guys as butchers now and like what's sort of the landscape there. Yeah, that'll be really interesting to know. Yeah, so COVID was awesome for us. Uh, monetary wise because supermarkets didn't have meat and people were panic buying so we were able to get rid of a lot of stock that either we had in the freezer and it would have been same with every butcher shop in Australia I would have thought at that time um, so that was really good but you, you slowly see the decline of customers like weekly or daily or however you look at it because I think convenience is still a big thing yes we can't have everything on it like we don't have fruit and veg and the shapes that you buy and all that sort of stuff. So I, I do understand that people are busy, but if people can somehow support your local butcher, local fruit and veg, local bakery, I think you're actually eating better. Like you go to the supermarket and get a 20-pack of snags for $15 or something. You might only get six snags because they've actually got something in them instead of whatever they put in them. And and that, that would be at 95% of butcher shops too. So it's not about just coming to our butcher shop it's, it's about supporting the, your local butcher shop 
like we've got a farm as well, but he might have a farmer that he goes to yeah. that supports that supports him. So he might be buying straight off just off a farm, just it's just not his own. So he's doing they're doing the same thing. And that's the beautiful thing about it, I think, that you can just you can support it all the way down the line and it's it stays in the town. And then the second part of that question with me, we're definitely seeing this change of some people and whether they're deciding to be in meat eater or not. What, what's your perspective on that? It's like personal choice. Like I, if someone doesn't want to eat meat, that, that's fine. There's so many other options for them. Like, um, but I just don't like the people that think that we're doing the wrong thing. Yeah. You know, I think that's, you know, if you're going to go out of your way to – stop a truck from driving to the abattoirs then you're stopping people from getting fed more or less or you're stopping a supply chain or you're stopping a farmer from getting a paycheck because he's got 30 cows in that truck that he needs to survive mm. it's just one of those things that yeah. people have got a lot there's a lot more mental and physical ailments now that can be fixed with vegetables yep and more vegetables in your diet um, but I will interrupt and say more protein in your more diet. More protein has as been well. A huge <laughs> Correct. A huge yes. thing as well. So. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And um. And again, like your local fruit and veg guy, um, might not look as good on the shelf because it's not perfect for the supermarkets, but it's probably better for you. Yeah, I think the whole meat thing is quite an interesting one and yep. I, I think we're definitely seeing a lot of changes as well because people are starting to look more holistically at how they're eating and not putting so many things that are crappy in their body yeah. and they're starting to say, am I having enough protein? Actually, may, I do need to introduce more meat into my diet again or vice versa. But, yeah, it's it's really – we're in an interesting place and it's yeah. quite good to get your guys' opinion on that because yeah. it's an open and ongoing conversation. And yeah, it will be for a long time. And there's no real right answer either. No. No. Like I could argue that our steaks have got more protein in them than the supermarkets but I'd, I don't know how to prove that. <laughs> I'd love to be able to say that but um, I definitely know that they're better tasting and better – because the I know how the animals being bred, yeah. and I think that's another massive thing too. That the feedlots and all that sort of stuff. I I think we're going down a dangerous path there, and it's it's a awkward one to talk about as well. Because if you just take out all the feedlots, there's a lot of cattle that just don't aren't there anymore. Mm. So I think that the normal human being or the normal person can do a lot in their own little backyard with vegetables or herbs or anything to help them eat better, to feel better and go from there. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I'd love to know from both of you, what is the thing that you each day that really is the exciting part? Like what do you look forward to the most? Like we've had a really good overview of a little bit of everything today, but what are those things that really light you up about each every day? Yeah. Well, most of the time we get to the shop, you know, somewhere between five or four or five or six or whatever o'clock it is in the morning, nice and early, and then and then we cut our display, and then after that's finished, then we start doing the orders and the rest of the day's jobs and that sort of stuff. But the forefront of the day is getting the cabinet in, and as soon as the cabinet's in, you, you can look at it and go, "Geez, that looks good," and that that that's something that sort of sparks me up. And, and when it's done and you've got everything cut and it all looks nice, all your lines are straight, your trays are wrapped really neatly, you know the first person that walks in that day is going to go, "Wow, this looks good," or you hope they do anyway because you've made that effort to make your shop look really good. You know, the other part of that day is if there's an afternoon off and we get to go to the farm in the afternoon and even if it's just putting a couple of bales out or just checking some waters or washing a trough or whatever it is, then, then that's that's a nice release at the end of the day too, whenever that happens. Yeah, yeah probably um, probably similar to Jacko. When you 
done the display or, or you get you might get one customer or two customers or maybe three a week that come in and, and make the effort to say, that was really nice or the steak we had last week was fantastic or dad gets it a lot because dad's the favourite from the, all the customers. Yeah, so usually people come in and go, oh, that steak that Dave cut for us, just it just tasted better. And I was just, okay, yeah, awesome. That, and that puts a little smile on all our faces. So I think that's the main thing, just making sure pe- like people – respect and 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 really like what we do i had the pleasure of having a great chat with your dad about succession yeah. as you both said he hasn't filled you to win but he no, filled me filled in. You in, yeah. Yeah. I, I think your dad took a little liking to me he loved to have a yes. chat yeah you um, broke him down early yeah <laughs> um i would love to know from you guys what is that overall perspective where where are you going like what's sort of the next five, ten-year plan because obviously expansion is definitely in the horizon. I'd love to know, what are you hoping to see in the next five to ten years? Yeah, so well, from a personal point of view, we're probably looking at increasing our herd from 80 cows probably up to potentially 150. Uh, that would be a five-year, that's a long-term goal because we've got to put a lot of fences in. Um, so that's probably a farm one. And getting our pastures right, so learning what pastures work with cattle and, yeah. uh, and can we put, stuff in that we can keep for food and stuff like that that's probably a two or three year plan we're there and then um at the shop there's potential is endless at the shop uh because we've got a chef on board as well uh we're looking at doing charcuterie boards and platter boxes and burger boxes and diy kits and all that sort of stuff yeah that's probably in a short-term point of view and we'd yeah one of our big thing is or while that we've come up with the last couple of weeks is a paddock to plate experience are getting a group of 10 or 15 people out the farm, under the stars, they camp the night, we put on five different cuts of meat, teach them how to cook it, sit there with a nice meal, have some wine tasting or something like that, and then just, yeah, just sit there out the farm, yeah, smell the aromas coming from the paddocks and, and eat some really quality food. So I think that'll be a big one because we can offer that that not many other people can. But, yeah, succession plans, we'd love to have Dad – retired tomorrow but yeah. that's we've sort of put a ball in his court and said right you do you and go from there and he just keeps turning up yeah <laughs> most of the time he's the first one putting the key in the door yeah yeah and then yeah i mean from there you know obviously we'd like to get a few more staff on board and, and expand our what we do mm. you know like you, you still need the people we've got a great crew now but yeah everything needs to grow yeah, you do have a great crew. It definitely seems like you've got some really awesome people on board. It's pretty yeah. exciting. That yeah. all sounds phenomenal. Pretty good. You guys, from what I can see, you're definitely not ideas guys. You're guys that execute things. So I'm very excited to see what you guys do. It's it's pretty awesome. As an industry, I guess you guys say you're not an ag, but being butchers' sons turned butchers, it is that is agriculture. As much as you guys want to, yeah, yeah. when yes. you explain it, yeah. When, yeah. When I, <laughs> so own it because yes, you absolutely correct. are yep. in agriculture. What is your hope for the future as a whole? Like, what are you really hoping to see? I mean, you did touch on a little bit, a few things, but what what is something that you really hope we see in the next sort of? era of ag moving forward i reckon there's one like just one little one from me was to be i just hope that people can try and just just try and grow your own food mm. yeah whether it's a little herb garden like you can yeah. do that in a small little apartment mm. whether it's some veggies to have a crack at just, mm. just 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 something and support local and try and grow your own food or find out where your food's coming from yeah that's a yeah, yeah. as education like 
from my point of view as well, I've been in a private school in, like Bendigo is a city, but it's not really a city. Like it's not far away from the outback, I guess. Yeah. I've been to private school. It's a lot more about going to uni, but there was not a lot of stuff offered for agriculture or farming or stuff like that. So there was just no sort of education there at the at the grassroots. Mm. Like you talk to a kid that's grown up on a farm, he'll tell you anything about a farm. You or talk any to a kid, options either. Yeah, and you talk to a kid that's grown up in the city and he doesn't know anything about it. Yeah. or where his food's come from. So it's just that education, I think, more from a grassroots perspective and that's probably what we want to do with our experience at the farm that we'll end up doing at some stage once we get it all set up. But getting the people out there and, and showing them what we do and, and showing them where their food comes from, that's that's probably where it needs to go. Well, this experience will hopefully help with that as yeah, well. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Before we wrap it up, for anyone who's listening who wants to get in touch, where should they head to learn more? And also, where if they're in Bendigo, where's the shop? Give us everything, all the yeah. details. Yeah, well, Tom's a social media man, so Instagram, Instagram me, Flory Hill Quality Meats. Yeah, uh, Facebook's the same, and then we're in uh, just out of Bendigo, so probably five minutes out of the centre of town. Yep. Out in a uh, suburb shop. called Flora Hill yeah. with a bakery. Can't butcher miss shop. it, guys. Can't miss it. Can't nah, miss that's it. right. Signage has <laughs> done well. So, yeah, we're just a little butcher shop and hopefully um, get a bit bigger and go from there. So, yeah. it's good. Yeah, I think there's some big things in the future for you guys. Yeah. Thank you both so much. Appreciate it. Thank Thanks you. for letting us invade the butcher shop and come awesome. to the farm. And, yeah, yeah I've We'd really appreciated learning yep. all about you guys and I'm excited to see what happens for you in the future. Appreciate yeah. it. No Thank you very much. And that was the third episode of the special series that we have had with RB Sellers. It was great to have this series with them. If you want to check out the full episode that we did with Rosie Henderson via video, you can via the show notes. I hope you guys really enjoy that. And please go and like, share this episode with all of your friends. And again, thank you so much to RB Sellers to sponsoring this video. It means a lot to us as well as sponsoring this podcast. Their continuing ongoing support to Generation Ag means so much and we're so thankful for everything that they've done to help support us grow. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Generation Ag. We hope you loved it. If you did, don't forget to visit our guest bios page on our website where you can get all of their contact information. And if you have an idea for another guest in the future or a story that you want to hear, you can get in touch with us via our email, which is hello at generationag.com.au. Don't forget to follow us on our socials at generation.ag. That's Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. And if you've loved this episode as well, you can share it with your friends on your socials and make sure to subscribe to us on the podcast app and leave us a review because that all really helps as well. Thanks, guys. Bye.